Welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. And if you sense a touch of excitement in my voice, it's because it's a little bit like hosting the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm now going to try and establish a link to Spain and go to Seville to see if we can get the scores from over there. Kieran Maguire, can you hear me? I can indeed, Kevin. Uh, I'm looking over... Uh, the orange trees and the peach trees and the pool uh, on, on a glorious Andalusian sunset. Uh, what a wonderful place Seville is. Oh, how how lovely. It sounds perfect and we can hear sparrows chirping in the background. I can I, just I don't sort of sparrows here. I think, we're, I think we're talking posh, posh Spanish birds. That, that, well, okay. well, already you've lowered the tone, Kieran. But, uh, there you are. And, and Kieran... We we did lead people to believe you know, you're you're at this football conference in Seville, which happens to coincide with the Europa Cup final. You had a ticket. Why aren't you at the game, Kieran? Uh, well, the reason why I'm not at the game is uh, my mate Tommy Mack entire from this is Ibrox uh, was coming coming across today, and he didn't have a ticket. And I thought, well, if I go to the game. I'll have, a, I'll have a good night out. There's no doubt about it. It'll be a fantastic experience. But, you know, we, we've always said that football football experiences, you know, they're, they're part of the top 10 moments in our life. And Tom, Tommy's a really good guy. Uh, this could be one in the top, one of the top three if Rangers win tonight. So uh, I've given him my ticket. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a tout. You know, it's everything we, we don't stand for. So, uh, you know, good, good, good luck, Tommy. He sent me one video message Shortly, uh, short, shortly before we started this show, I, I think it's fair to say he's already celebrating, uh, and the match hasn't yet kicked off. Well, he's won. He's got a free ticket. I, I, I know this, Kieran. This goes against everything we preach on this pod. But have you not seen the prices that tickets are going for? You could have got. Yes, yeah. You could have got four grand for that. We could have split that between us. We could have had two weeks off, begging patrons to contribute a pound a week <laughs> at the end of the pod. We could have just that could have kept us going. It's, it's, but it's, it's very laudable of you, Kieran. And I, I did feel for you because <laughs> it, it seemed like several hundred Frankfurt fans got wind of the fact that you were out there with a ticket. You were getting a lot of tweets. <laughs> uh, but well done. And I hope Tommy Mack has a, has a good time out there. Um, he'll, he'll never have had a better seat in his life. And I think the drinks are probably going to be free where he is. So he'll come back eventually. Won't he? He'll get home sooner or later. <laughs> yes. Um, but we do have it's Newsday, uh, Kieran. We do have some big news stories, and the first one, at last, Derby fans. It does seem like positive news after months of anxiety and fear. It looks like the sale of the club is on, which is brilliant news because certainly over the weekend it did look like it could have been off. But it seems like things are going through. Yes, uh, I think we're at two, perhaps two and a half cheers out of three. Um, the, uh, the the period of exclusivity uh, that Chris Kirchner had, uh, which was due to expire at midnight on uh, Saturday night, was extended for 48 hours. And, and poor Derby fans, they spent all of Monday evening waiting for some white smoke and nothing happened. Mm. Uh, and I know some of them went to bed at midnight cursing away. Uh, and then at about quarter to one in the morning came a 
came a series of tweets from Chris Kirchner to say that he's exchanged contracts with Quantumar, the administrators, um, uh, with a view to acquiring the assets that are owned by the administrators. But there's still one or two things that need to be ironed out, uh, specifically in relation to the stadium, because yeah. the stadium is still owned by Morris. He transferred it to himself. Um, I think I think Kirchner and Morris are, are the best of pals. So th- there has been talk about the council buying the stadium. But I'm also hearing stories from a pretty good source um, saying that there is a, a third party who's sort of now willing to come in as an intermediary and buy Pride Park from Mel Morris with a view to then leasing it to uh, to Chris Kirchner, in, in which case I think you know, most people will be satisfied. Um, the, the administrators then put out a, a press release at, at quarter to six in the morning, and then we finally had a message from the EFL at six o'clock in the evening to say, we're getting, we note what's happened, um, there are one or two items to be resolved, so, so we're not we're not completely over the line, but it does appear that unless Mel Morris becomes greedy um, and starts demanding an unrealistic fee for the stadium, uh, and remember he, he did buy it from himself for £80 million only a few years ago, but I think he's now looking at somewhere closer to 20 then this could be resolved. Um, the EFL has effectively put a deadline of the 31st of May mm. with regards to uh, Derby's golden share, which is their ability to participate in the EFL uh, from next season onwards, being transferred, and and then you know, Wayne Rooney can presumably sign a new contract with the owners, and the the club can look forward to a summer of recruitment and and putting things together again. Because an awful lot of staff have gone, both yeah. playing staff and non-playing staff. Uh, Derby have had a very good academy. Uh, lots of people have left there. You know some through their own choice, some effectively pushed. So things have been a bit messy, a bit uncomfortable, but uh, we've only got to look over as far as Wigan to see from despair. And remember, we we spend a lot of time uh, with with people from Wigan when, when they went through Indeed, a pretty yeah. traumatic summer, um, and they've just been promoted out of League One. So, so things can turn around very, very quickly. I was about to ask you why the administrators uh, tweeted that at such a ridiculous time, 6 o'clock in the morning, but it occurs to me that for some people, 6 o'clock in the morning is the start of the working day, Kieran, so we'll <laughs> we'll move on from that. You've gone through two spreadsheets by 6 o'clock in the morning, but it, it does look like where there was some doubt even a couple of weeks ago, it looks like Derby County will be starting next season uh, in League One, hopefully with no points deductions. Is that correct? Yes, yes. There's no reason why there should be a points deduction. Um, When you come out of administration, there are two options. Uh, First of all, if you commit to pay 25% to the unsecured creditors. Now, the unsecured creditors are mainly, you know, we've got many local suppliers, but also, you know, the electricity board and and some of the utility providers. If you pay them 25% on exit, um, then you avoid the, the 15 point penalty or if you commit to paying 35% within three years again that that's uh, that's a way of avoiding a penalty it looks as if Chris Kirchner is going to take the second of these options we're still uncertain 
as to where we stand with regards to HMRC, right. who uh, remember you know, they 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 are owed. Uh, ultimately, this is the taxpayer. They are owed in excess of twenty million pounds because what happened was that Mel Morris didn't pay HMRC. You know, he, he was quite happy to deduct money from staff wages, but then failed to hand it across. Effectively used COVID as a smokescreen to say, well, we've got no money coming in. And the government had said, we, we are, we're going to be flexible during this period. But ultimately, you've got to pay that money across. And then, lo and behold, when, when the government said, OK, you need to pay us now, that all of a sudden the club was put into administration. So um, HMRC, under a relatively recent change in legislation, are entitled to 100% of what they're owed before any money is paid to uh, unsecured creditors. But I think we, we are expecting some form of haircut on that, some form of agreement mm-hmm. between Quantum R um, and HMRC, but we don't know the extent of that as yet. And if the Derby deal looked shaky a couple of days ago, the Chelsea deal looked like it was on the verge of collapse. There's a lot of speculation, especially in the London media, that Abramovich was refusing to confirm that the money would go to charity, that he may be asking for his loans back, uh, that there was a 31st of May deadline again uh, for the government licence to expire. But it seems that it's very much back on and certainly Todd Bowley is making all the right noises to say, no, it's fine, it's happening, don't worry. Yes, yeah, there, there was clearly um, a lot of briefing that was taking place um, from sources, I'll say no more than that, who were talking to um, their favourite journalists. So this initially came from the government. Mm. um, And what the government uh, said that we we are concerned because there is a complicated uh, structure here. We've got Chelsea FC PLC, which in turn is owned by a company called Fordstam Limited. And Fordstam owes £1.6 billion to a company called Camberley International Investments. Um, and Camberley International Investments is either controlled from Jersey or the British Virgin Islands. It's, it's difficult to work out. We think it's Jersey. Um, and, and therefore, of course, it's outside of the jurisdiction of, of Her Majesty's government. Mm. And then trying to work out who controls uh, Fordstam, sorry, uh, who controls Camberley International, that appears to be linked to um, Cyprus, where there is some form of trust. Now, I, I've, I've taught in Cyprus for many years, uh, and without being too rude, uh, Cyprus is the, the money laundering capital yeah. of Europe um, yeah. and is especially popular with people from Russia uh, because you don't need a visa to go from Russia yeah. to Cyprus. So if ever you, you know, if, if people are there and they're, they're you know, they're, they're on holiday and you see, you see menus and you see adverts for waiters, um, you know, the menus are, are in, in Greek, English and Russian, such oh, as wow, okay. popularity in the country there. Right. So um, the government was concerned that if the uh, if the money which was due to the shareholders was given to uh, was given to Cambly International, that this is 1.6 billion loan, uh, would they have the ability to control it? Um, and, and therefore they said, well, we're not prepared to sanction the deal under those circumstances. 
Abramovich's spokespeople then started briefing their favourite journalists and said, well, you know, we, we've always said that we are going to give the, the money from the loan back, um, but we've, we've not actually committed to that in writing. It now seems that uh, the lawyers involved um, have put together a, a, a set of wording in such a way that they believe the government will be happy. Um, you know, from Todd Bowley's perspective uh, and his consortium, they don't give a hoot. You know, they're, they're just paying £2.5 million to somebody and they want to get on with the business of running Chelsea. Um, we've also seen coming out uh, in some reports that uh, somebody's going to make £50 million out of this. Um, and I think it's uh, Marina, who's, who's effectively the chief executive, Bruce Buck, and uh, some of the advisors to the Abramovich group. Uh, but the government's not going to get involved in that. Um, now, whether that's going to be paid out of the £2.5 we're not sure. Um, but some people are going to do extremely well from this deal. Um, two things, uh, Kieran. Certainly the London Evening Standard yesterday was reporting that the government was so concerned about Abramovich's lack of commitment to giving the money to charity that they wanted a third-party independent account set up that Bowley's money went into first that they could travel. Secondly, how how on earth are people making money out of this, Kieran? I thought the whole point was that nobody could make money out of this. So why, how are Buck and other people getting £50 million out of this? For, I mean, A, for what reason? And B, yeah, I know they're not Russian, but it, it seems a bit odd that some people are making money out of this, which you'd imagine is money that's not going to Ukrainian charities. Mm. Um, well, in, in terms of the, the first issue, um, I think what will happen is that there will have to be an escrow account which is approved by the government to which uh, Roman Abramovich and uh, Fordstam and whatever this trust is in Cyprus cannot access right, okay. um, unless there is approval by the government and, and the government appoints some trustees. Now, there has been, uh, again, uh, stories coming linked to the Charities Commission to say, well, you know, the government's not got its arse into gear as, as quickly as it could have done with regards to setting up this charity. Because from our point of view, we want to get money to Ukraine to start, to start supplying relief and support ASAP. Um, and you know, there has been accusations that, you know, that people have been dragging their heels. So that's the first issue. Um, with regards to the second, it, it does look a little bit distasteful. Uh, you know, uh, Graviskaya and Bruce Buck have been amply rewarded by Roman Abramovich during their times at Chelsea, um, and uh, you, you would think uh, if if they if they had a, a really decent social conscience, they would say, "Well, we will waive our rights mm -hmm. to any of this fee." But uh, you know, again, the noise is coming from the club. These people have been working very hard on the deal for five weeks, and it's not just these two people. There's others involved as well, and, and they deserve some reward for it. So, uh, I, I think that. If that money is coming from the the net proceeds, hmm. that means it is fifty million less than's going to good causes. If Roman Abramovich is going to somehow give them that reward uh, from an external source, then then I think we can afford to be a little bit more uh, relaxed on the issue. But, but also, Bruce Buck will continue to be rewarded because hasn't Bowley said that he will keep Buck on in the same in the same position that he already is? Well, that that does appear to be. Um, 
the noises that we're hearing. I mean, you know, uh, Buck and Graviskaya or Graniskaya have both been uh, Abramovich's eyes and ears on the ground during mm. his period of ownership. So, um, yeah, you know, under, under, under normal circumstances, you would expect new owners to to want to have their people uh, involved in day one. So. If there's a, this is just going to be a transitional issue, uh, then that's fine. I mean, Marina Graviskaya is held in very high regard in football circles. Right. Uh, she's extremely professional. When I talk to other uh, chief executives in the games, you know, she certainly has uh, has impressed uh, people at the upper echelons of football. And it could be that that impression has also been uh, received from from Todd Bowley, and he feels that a, a a safe pair of hands, somebody familiar with the industry, would be beneficial to to his running of the club as well. Right. Uh, this is an interesting one, Kieran. A coalition of clubs, including Arsenal, Palace, West Ham, and Brighton, have filed a lawsuit against insurers. Now, you know my policy, haha, insurers' policy is not to do too much research because uh, that's your job. But I'm assuming this is to do with uh, business interruption COVID, is it? Yes, it is. Um, there was a test case um, where uh, a, a, cha- a restaurant chain did put yeah. in a business interruption uh, case against uh, one of the major insurance companies. I think it was Aviva. And the judge ruled in favour of the restaurant chain. Now, we have seen quite a few football clubs um, either show that they have received or show that they are due to receive figures of between, in the main, 2 to £2.75 million from the insurance industry uh, in respect of business insurance claims. However, uh, the the restaurant chain received £4.2 million. So it looks as if uh, a large number of, especially Premier League clubs, are now acting in concert and putting in effectively a collective, a class action suit uh, against some of these major insurers with a view to increasing the payment to which they will be entitled. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I think watch this one with interest. But uh, you know. I, I can certainly anticipate the lawyers will do well out of this, of course, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to represent their clients on both sides of the case. But what the actual outcome will be uh, is, is yet to be seen. But it could be um, that, that there will be uh, significant additional revenues or income coming into the football industry if the claims are successful. And you know, there's no doubt that clubs did lose huge sums of money as a result of COVID. Remember, the vast majority of them didn't claim for for furlough either um, because I think there was a degree of scrutiny on the industry. So so they, they are hopeful of being successful here. Yeah, well, I should be watching this one with some interest, Kieran, because as I've – I don't know if I've told you this on air, but we've certainly spoken about it off air. Is that <clears throat> several years ago, Ali, who's quite clever about this sort of thing, took out a really low-level business interruption insurance policy with – his Cox, I'm happy to tell, say who it is. Um, her business was interrupted by COVID, uh, provably so, and his Cox have uh, failed to accept that. And we've gone as far as we can with that claim. And Ali's now gone to the ombudsman. So if anybody from his Cox is listening to this and has any shame, feel free to have a word of your boss. But um, I'll be it, so these these clubs have done this as a joint thing, haven't they? Because we 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 talked about this before. It's not every club in the Premier League we believe 
took out the premium against business interruption because it's quite ex- an expensive one to take out, isn't it? That that's right. Um, I, I know in, when I spoke to somebody a couple of days ago, I think they seemed to think that there were eight clubs involved. I've seen other reports that there could be as many as eighteen. So uh, it, it's it's intriguing that you know, if we've had two lockdowns, are they separate, and therefore you can make yeah. separate claims? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of small print involved in insurance policies, as we know, uh, and also, of course, as, as we've never read because you you. Know, you, you you, you sign up for a policy, you go on to one of those price comparison sites or or with a broker and, and you assume that they're going to look at the small print on your behalf. Yeah, yeah, you go on to one of those price comparison sites and I just take the first one I'm offered, Kieran, basically. Uh, <laughs> and let's face it, if you don't read the small print on an insurance policy, then what chance have the rest of us got? Sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there, which are so breathable, they're like gills for your groin. We think it's time you invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. We already know that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric trimmer for below the waist grooming. It gets rid of those Rhodes Boysons that you might have down there. But outside of ball trimming, Manscaped are now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with their game changing boxers. They feature the jewel pouch, which is designed to cradle your boys in their own special space and is lined with perforated performance fabric to keep them well ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL, all in big letters, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. Once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. And unfortunately, Kieran, they are fire slappers these days, but it's due to gravity. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Now, we expected, Kieran, that Newcastle United's new owners, of course, would be injecting a lot of money into the club. Uh, but according to the latest set of accounts, they've been doing that right from the start and have already put quite a bit of money in, haven't they? That's right. So Newcastle's accounts came out um, within 24 hours of them absolutely tatering Arsenal. 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, when, when a club yeah. puts out a set of financial accounts very shortly after a good football result, I go, yeah, yeah, this is a this is a good time to bury news. Yeah, and, and but uh, is that the seriously? results. Sorry, um, sorry to interrupt, Kieran, but seriously, is that a, a, a genuine thing? It's not a coincidence. It's just like we've had a good result. Yeah. Which... It it could be it could be a coincidence. They 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 they, they had taken advantage of, of a legal loophole that meant that they didn't have to publish the accounts until the end of June. Right. Um, but there is certainly a feel good factor uh, in in Newcastle, and also it has to be said these accounts are for season twenty 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 one. So therefore, it's all part of Mike Ashley's tenure at the club rather than the new owners at PIF. Um, who I think it's fair to say have come in for uh, a bit of criticism, which f- uh, following the the decision to bring out the the new third kit, which resembles yeah, yeah. the the Saudi Arabian kit. So I think they they were aware that they'd scored a PR own goal. So uh, perhaps here here's an opportunity to to put out some some information which will uh, get get a more favourable response. So you know the, the club. Uh, again, this is this is all under Mike Only's uh, Mike, Mike Ashley tenure. Uh, it, it had a modest year. It, it, it was it was reasonably uh, reasonably successful by Premier League standards. It lost around about twelve million pounds, which I think probably spent meant that it's sort of the third or fourth best performing club mm. the season twenty twenty one. It was interesting to note that uh, that they, the club had claimed nine hundred thousand pounds in furlough income. So I think that makes Newcastle potentially the only club to have claimed furlough for a couple of years. Mm. Um, I think, again, indicative of the the, the thickness of uh, of Mike Ashley's height. He doesn't care what people yeah. say or think about it. We're aware of, of other clubs. I think you know, Liverpool, Spurs, Bournemouth, where the club initially tried to claim furlough and following fan complaints, they decided to reverse that. No such, no such uh, response from from Mike Ashley. Um, but then going into the small print, uh, it, it you know th- there was details of the deal uh, where PIF acquired the club, and uh, they've they've put 168 million pounds uh, of cash into the coffers, um, of which a sub- substantial amount of that's already been spent in the January transfer window. So uh, I think they are clearly priming the pump. With, with a view to being in a position to be able to spend significant amounts of money uh, in in the in the summer transfer window, uh, I've, I've been asked you know, by a few parties you know, how much can they spend, um, and, and it's certainly in the in the hundreds of millions of pounds if they so decide. You know, they don't have to do that, yeah. um, and that's partly due to our our very good friend uh, amortisation, which allows them yeah. to spread the cost of recruiting players over the life of their contracts. Uh, well, certainly Eddie Howe's been making noises this weekend that he's not going to be getting a super pot of money and and he's attributed that to financial fair play rules as well, which is interesting. Also, I believe, Kieran, they they mentioned COVID losses in Newcastle, which were much, much lower than Everton's, for example. Yes. So uh, we, we've seen a few clubs, I mean, sadly not all, sort of try to, to list out the impact that COVID have had. Uh, and, and there's two issues here. First of all, um, there's there's reduced revenue because 
you know, there, there has been a season, a season and a quarter, in effect, of mm-hmm. matches taking place behind closed doors. So you've got lost revenues there. Um, you've got potential lost revenues from merchandise sales uh, on the back of that. There have been additional costs incurred by clubs because of social distancing, because of the additional health checks and, and, and so on. Um, so, so Newcastle's figure was around about £40 million pounds, uh, from seasons 2019, 20 and 2021. Uh, we then had Villa, who put in a very detailed analysis, um, and theirs, I think, was in the low 50s. Um, and then we came to Everton, and Everton said, uh, yeah, £170 million. And people were going, oh, yeah. oh yeah, how, yeah. how do you get from you know 40 to 50 for, you know, because Newcastle, big club, Aston Villa, big club, Everton, big club. How do you get from, you know, 40 to 50 million to 170? You know, have, have, have they been buying a hand gel from a mate of Matt Hancock's in a, in a pub in a dodgy PPE deal and paying over the odds? So, so that, yeah, there's, there's been a few raised eyebrows uh, with, with regards to that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's certainly no noise coming from the Premier League. Um, I think when Everton did make that announcement, there, there were a few mutterings from those clubs which are potentially going to be relegated, but there doesn't seem to be any follow-up with regards to that. I'm, I'm certainly not expecting uh, any uh, draconian action from the Premier League. Uh, certainly, from, from what I've heard, uh, you know, Everton have, have tried to be proactive here and have, have tried to show uh, the Premier League exactly what they have been doing. Uh, but it, 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 it is, it is a strange anomaly as far as the numbers are concerned because Everton have lost over a hundred million pounds in each of the last three years. Um, and you're only allowed to lose 105 over three years, um, under the, uh, under the profitability and sustainability rules. And, yeah. And, and there are, there are, uh, you know, adjustments that you can make, one of which is COVID. Um, so, so, this this has provoked uh, it's provoked comment, shall we say? Yeah. Now this next story, Kim. We we met many Burnley fans at Accrington last week who will be interested in this. Uh, and speaking of Accrington, I was on uh, Talksport on Monday. Hawksby and Jacobs, who asked how it went because you told them we were going up to Accrington, and I said it was a fantastic night. And we had a great interview of Andy Holt. And Hawksby and Jacobs said we love Andy Holt. It's great. We love getting him on the show. The only problem is that. We have a six-second delay normally, and when Andy's on, we try and get at least a 12-, 15-second delay and make, sure, <laughs> and make sure the finger is hovering over the button. Um, but there, there are lots of speculation, Ken, which we've spoken about, that were Burnley to get relegated, there were buyback clauses and so on, but it seems like there's an issue potentially with Maxwell Cornet if Burnley is to get relegated, and he's been a one of the plus signs for them this season. So that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Yes. And, and this is, uh, you know, this is a clause in his contract. And you know, if, if the stories are correct, should Burnley be relegated? And clearly it's going to be a very tense few days in, in mm. terms of what's happening uh, at the bottom end of the Premier League. Um, I think the maximum they can get is 17.5 million. Whereas, uh, you know, he, he has been, uh, an impressive player. Yeah, I know he's uh, he's not necessarily played in all the matches. Um, and, and under normal circumstances, if he was a Premier League player, they would have hoped to have received far more. Um, and you know, this is a classic case of you know, check the small print whenever you're signing a contract. 
uh, yeah, ALK, who are the owners, they they didn't have to sign this contract. They didn't have to go and sign that release clause. Mm. Um, but it it, it it will be uh, it will be disappointing for Burnley because if they have to pay back sixty five million pounds in loans uh, upon relegation, that's effectively going to take out all of their parachute payments and more. So there you wonder, okay, how are they going to pay the wages in the championship if they've only got championship uh, TV money coming in? Well, they have to sell a player or two. Cornet will be one of the ones you would have initially looked at. You, know, you would have thought that they would have got somewhere in the region of 25 to 30 million. Um, and now potentially that's looking restricted. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether Swindon uh, get into the playoff final or not, and uh, as we speak, we don't know how that's going to play out. They've had a very good end of season. They've had a much better season this year than last year on and off the pitch. And there's some more good news for Swindon fans, isn't it? Yes, um, they, they did take out one of the, the monitored loans from the EFL and, and as part of the conditions that they had to comply with um, was that they were subject to a transfer embargo. They've still managed to get into the playoffs um, regardless of that, um, yeah. but it now it would appear that they've satisfied the, the EFL with regards to the, the way that they've stuck to their budget um, and, and that transfer embargo has been removed. So this gives them uh, the opportunity to, to plan, you know, whether they're in League Two or, or in League One, um, and uh, you know, I think that's, you know, let's be honest, Swindon are one of the clubs that's invited us to to do one of our live shows there. Yeah. It, would be, it would be great if we could go there uh, following promotion, um, but they, they are now in a stronger position over the course of the summer. Um, and you've only got to look at some of the reports uh, that, that have come under under Clem Morfini or Morfini, sorry, um, that it, it's a much happier club uh, in, in terms of the way that it operates, and, and they are certainly in a better place both on and off the pitch. Yeah, I was, I was about to say exactly the same thing. There will be disappointment if they don't uh, get promoted through the playoffs. But having said that, if they stay in League Two, they will stay in League Two in a much better situation. And also, there was a period this time last year where they may not have been existing full stop. So these are happier times for Swindon Town, which is brilliant. Um, Barnsley have an entirely new board of directors. Yes. Um, Barnsley have uh, American owners who are you know, one of the very keen uh, uh, proponents of multi-club ownership models and we've spoken about multi-club ownership um, and and what are the benefits and and from a from an investment point of view one of the things you always want to do is is to is to de-risk your investment it's to try to keep risk as a minimum so if you own one football club and it gets relegated you're potentially looking at a, a substantial reduction in income if you own a lot of football clubs in different countries then you know, the argument goes, well, you can't have, under normal circumstances, all of them getting relegated in the same season. Um, it, it looks, in the case of Barnsley, um, lightning has struck more than once uh, with regards to the owner's portfolio of clubs. And also uh, looking at uh, Barnsley message boards and social media, 
Um, I, I think it's fair to say the fan base has uh, quite easily described it as, as disappointed yeah. with the amount of investment as far as, as players are concerned. The owners are, are very keen to use a money ball style uh, recruitment model, you know, trying to spot talent cheap and, and bring it in. Uh, that's not worked. Barnsley were relegated from the championship. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think as part of the fallout from that, We've, we've got a, a new board of directors, including, I think, at least one person uh, from the Klein family who used to be the owners oh. of, of Barnsley. Uh, and I think this is part of an attempt to uh, to reestablish and improve relations between the fan base and the club itself. Yeah, uh, we've got two news stories to go, Kieran, and they're both, of course, very important news stories. But also, I've just realised we're about five minutes away from kickoff. Uh, and it would, be a, it would be a shame, Kieran, if you were to actually be on the outskirts of Seville and not even see the game on TV in your giant Airbnb in the countryside uh, somewhere. So let's, let's I'm not, I'm not going to say let's rattle through them, Kieran. Let's, I mean, obviously we have to give them the, the importance they deserve, but you know, let's, let's maybe not get into any subsidiary questions off the back of them. That's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Um, uh, the first one, an agreement has been reached. Uh, for BT Sport and Eurosport to be part of a new UK joint sports broadcasting venture between Warner Brothers, Discovery and BT. I mean, this sounds like a huge conglomerate and it makes you wonder why such a huge conglomerate has allowed Channel 4 to waltz off with the England games. Yes, you're absolutely right. Hmm. Um, BT have been trying to find an exit route for BT Sport for some time. Um, BT now want to concentrate on their core business, which is telephony and communication and and internet and broadband and so on. Hmm. Um, And uh, Warner Brothers Discovery have Eurosport. Now, the thing is with Eurosport, it's okay, but it's not got a very big portfolio of sporting products, which you will say are are must-watch. It's also got something called Discovery Plus, and I, and I tried to work out well, what, what is Discovery Plus, what channels do they have? So, so this is, this is a coming together. I think it is a marriage of convenience. Um, but uh, you know, Eurosports, I think it's got things such as uh, you know, it's quite big on cycling, for example, and, and some of the uh, some of the the, the fighting related sports. Well, um, Kieran, I'll, I'll tell you what else Eurosport has got, Kieran, and it actually saves me a lot of money every winter. They've got all. All the, the the ski jumping uh, slalom, and it's it's so much easier to sit yourself down in front of the telly. You get to go to Austria, Switzerland, all over the place, and also they've got the biathlon, Kieran. They, and I've become obsessed with biathlon, where people shuffle along in skis and then shoot something and then move on. While the two while the two commentators who know more about biathlon than you know about football finance just have the happiest time of their life. And with a, a, a live crowd of approximately 110 people. How it makes money, Eurosport, I do not know. But I love it. I genuinely like Eurosport. Um, well, so, so I think the, the argument is is that together they will have a portfolio of products which will make it, it more attractive. Um, I think they've got to be careful with what they try to charge people. Because there's certainly we're seeing a lot of resistance. We've we've seen Netflix numbers go yeah, down when, yeah, when yeah. they put their prices up and so on. Uh, but if BT if BT Sport uh, if the BT Sport price is maintained and you're effectively getting Eurosport and you're getting one of these Discovery channels thrown in, then it makes a slightly more credible product. Um, BT are getting some money on the back of this deal, and I think in due course 
we will see uh, BT completely divest. You know, we're starting off with a, mm. a 50-50 joint venture, uh, but I, I think in, in, the, in the long run, they're, they're looking for a, uh, an honourable exit route uh, from, uh, from, from, from the sporting arena. Yeah, remember, they got the Premier League, they got the Champions League, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think they're putting on the Europa League free, and they're putting on the Champions League free, so fair play to them for that. Um, but uh, I don't think BT Sport has actually made money for them. Mm. Our last story, Kieran, is a slightly odd one, because Aston Villa confirmed the permanent signing of Philip Coutinho from Barcelona last week, which is very good business. He's a fantastic player still. But they announced it uh, as an undisclosed fee. But for some reason, just four minutes later, Barcelona disclosed what the fee was, and it was £18 million. So will Aston Villa be upset that they disclosed what the fee was? Is the £18 million significant? Why did Barcelona have to reveal it? Um, I think this is a case of lack of joined-up communication. Uh, If if Aston Villa wanted to keep the the fee secret, then then they should have agreed that with with Barcelona. Um, We tend to see more communication, more transparency from Spanish clubs when it comes to fees than we do here in the UK. Um, I mean, I absolutely agree with you that Coutinho, uh, when I I think about uh, players who have played at the Amex from the Premier League who I've gone, Jesus Christ, that yeah, is yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I, I can think of two, Coutinho and Eden Hazard, both of whom appeared not to actually be touching the grass as they floated over it. Yeah, they're just, just ridiculously gifted performers. Um, so, yeah, and, and the crazy thing about this deal is that Barcelona signed Coutinho for £142 million. They've sold him for 18. But thanks to the wonders of amortisation, they'll show a loss of about four million in the accounts, uh, which just goes to show you what a load of old cobblers' uh, accounts is. Uh, mm. Because from, from their point of view, it's been it's been a from Barcelona's point of view, it's been a disastrous signing mm. uh, in terms of how much it's cost them in terms of both wages and fees. But to just report a four million loss uh, make, makes me slightly embarrassed uh, of, of my profession. Mm. Uh, I understand, Karen. I know when you mention Coutinho and Eden Hazard, I know in your heart of hearts you want to add Wilfred Zahar to that list, but for obvious reasons, you can't. But can you just remind new listeners, possibly, and perhaps old listeners, why it is that some transfer fees are reported as undisclosed? Well, uh, the, the argument goes, uh, and this is twofold, First of all, sometimes the players don't want uh, the pressure of being an £80 million, a £60 million signing or, or even a £1 million signing because the first thing that fans do is they make a judgment. They, they link yeah, the size uh, yeah. of the fee to the ability of the player. Um, and, and we both know that cost and value are, are not the same thing. You know, yeah. we, we've seen some players who are... You know, 60, 70, 80 million pound flops. And, and we've seen some players who've come on a, a relative pittance who have proven to be crowd favourites. So, so first of all, you get away from that sort of inherent unconscious prejudice that we have as fans. Um, and the other reason, and, and this has come from, from listening to a, a club chief executive talk, they say, well, 
we'd rather our rivals don't know how much we've already spent in this window because uh, they will right. be in the back of their minds thinking, well, okay, we know that Villa have got 70 million to spend this summer. If they've already spent 18, therefore they've got 52 to spend. Um, and also other selling, you know, if people thought that Villa had spent 35 or 40 million on Coutinho, then they might dampen down the prices they started quoting Villa when, when yeah, Villa are starting to, to sniff around other players. Okay. Now, if uh, if you, Kieran, had taken the asking price for your ticket, I wouldn't be having to say this, but thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod <laughs> via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And very briefly, because the game's already kicked off, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks very much, Patreon supporters. And remember, if you uh, if you want to see uh, Aha at uh, at London <laughs> Friday week, uh, it's uh, it's prizes at priceoffootball.com. Uh, if you want to support us in other ways, go 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 to your go to your app, and if you can give us five stars, it helps us in the charts. It, it doesn't matter what you want to say. You could either say you could even say you'd rather have the show presented by Pol Pot and Paul Potts. And it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to us. Our egos can cope with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, I would come up with my usual uh, witty response, but Kieran, it's, it's ten past eight. The game's ten minutes in. Bye, everybody. The price of football. I'm for the